Hello and welcome to the Whole In My Heart podcast. This is episode 51, Radically Normal. Radically Normal. Welcome, everyone. My name is Lori Krieg, and I'm here with my husband, Matt. Howdy. And producer, Steve. Hi-ho. <laughs> nice. You did a voice. This is a little Kermit. Oh, Kermit. Kermit the Frog here. Yeah. Steve. Steve the Frog here. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> okay, we actually do have a great episode for you today. We're not even on Goofball Island. No, we're not there yet. Uh, but we're going to be talking about how to be a radically normal Christian with our friend and guest, Josh Kelly. Josh, welcome. Hello, welcome. Thank you. No, you say welcome to me. I'm, you know... That's I'm you can welcome us. People, so. No, I, thank you. I I feel welcome <laughs> in this place. Uh, but you guys, we are not talking about things specifically related to LGBT. That whole conversation, uh, or even sexuality, necessarily. And you're going to notice. Uh, I said at the end of the last season, the season closer, that I wanted to open up the conversation of this whole hole with a WH now moving to the H O L E this whole hole in my heart podcast, uh, where we wanted to just focus really on the gospel's good newsiness, which is actually a word because it doesn't spell check me when I text it to someone, uh, the gospel's good newsiness to, uh, for everyone every day. And so, uh, we're not going to not talk about it ever, but we're also not going to hyper focus on it because I think when we only focus on it, it actually re marginalizes us by saying, mm. oh, you need a special podcast. You need a special corner of the bookshelf. You need a special everything. We don't need a special gospel. We just need to be included in this beautiful, gorgeous gospel that's good news for everybody every day. So we're not going to not talk about it, but we're also not going to only talk about it. We're going to talk about the gospel with our friend, Josh. Now, Josh, that was a lot. Yes. <laughs> welcome again. And we thank also you. are still feeling welcome in our own <laughs> seats. So thank you for that also again. Uh, where are you calling from? You're not you're not in the Midwest. You're not hanging out with us oh, in no. Michigan. Nope. I'm out in the Seattle area, about an hour north of Seattle. Um, the beautiful Skagit Valley. Skagit. What, how do you spell that? Oh, yeah. You'll get it wrong. Anyone, I know someone's not from here when they say Skagit. It's uh, S-K-I-G-I-T. Well, everything out here is named after Indians. Okay. So, you know, you have Skagit Valley, you have Puyallup, you have Kitsap, you have, you know, all these things. And so, you know, it's kind of our shibboleth, you know, that way that we know someone's not from here is when they start mispronouncing everything. Yes. So even how you said the letter A, which in Michigan we say A, B, C. So you just, you said it differently. (laughs) Speaking of mispronouncing, now who's mispronouncing what? I don't know. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we are going to dive in with you before we talk about what it means to be a radically normal Christian, which you wrote that book. You're an author of that mm-hmm. book. You're also, you're not currently a pastor or, or you are, you were? I, well, yeah, my story's a little bizarre. It's had taken a lot of strange turns. Um, as a pastor for about 15 years, I uh, went to a little Bible college uh, down in California on uh, assistant pastor at a large church here in the area, then became the lead pastor of a tiny church. And uh, partway through that time, I had to take a second job working at Starbucks. And I talked yes. a lot about a lot of fun stories from being a Starbucks barista while yes, being a pastor. Yes, in your book, I liked it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And so you were a part. You were a partner at one time too. Then is that what I caught at Starbucks? Starbucks? No, I was not. I just love Starbucks. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. So, so this is a very familiar place. Yeah. And that was the situation. I was in Starbucks writing sermons all the time. And mm. when my deacon said, "You know, uh, we don't have enough money to pay you." Um, that's kind of like, oh, I guess I'm going to go be a barista now. But uh, lots of different things happened. I also wrote this book, which is some stuff that's really near and dear to my heart about yeah. trying to find this middle road between 
um, obsessive Christianity, which is always afraid that you're never doing enough to make God happy mm. and complacent faith, which is like, okay, God's there on the weekends. He's there when I need him. And, you know, I pray for meals maybe, um, but he's not like the core center, my motivation for everything and trying to find what is that middle place. Um, yeah. And so I wrote this book and right around that same time, you know, my, my church just kept on shrinking. I'm a pretty decent communicator, but I'm not a great jack of all trades, which is what you really have to do oh, to, be, to lead a, a, yeah. a solo church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a small church. So, yeah, you do it all. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm just not that guy. I'm, you know, my idea of counseling is, hey, stop being stupid. Read Proverbs. <laughs> read two Proverbs. Call me in the morning. I mean, that's, is that what that's you do, how Matt? I counsel. I mean, that is what I got <laughs> trained to do, right? That's five minutes. I get the big bucks. <laughs> five dollars, five minutes. Yeah. And they're good. Yeah. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Of yeah. course. So, so all that to say, I wrote the book, but right around the time the book came out, um, we had to close my church, which is, um, you know, one of the most painful things I've ever done, but mm. it, it was important and learning to close something right because, you know, people in the uh, Christian evangelical world, whatever you want to say, don't like talking about failure. Yes. So I actually could not find a book from my tribe telling me how to close a church well. I had to go to some very liberal churches because apparently they are good at closing churches. I guess I don't know, but they were writing the books that I was reading. And uh, so I pride myself, I think a good pride in like closing that church well. Mm. And so then, you know, what you do when you've been a pastor for 15 years and now you're not anymore, well, you sell your house and move around the country, drive around the country for eight months with your uh, wife and two kids packed up in a minivan. <laughs> so, That's duh. So was that a part that of one of the books crazy. you read? Or do you just like, this is just what we do? You know, when I was much younger, my family did, um, the Air Force took my dad to uh, Texas for training. He's a reservist, but he's trained. He had to be like his training. So we went to Texas with him for four months and then stopped at a couple other places. And so it kind of was in my head. And I, I think a lot of us have this idea to go, you know, see, visit the country, but, you know, you never do it. Oh, yeah. And so I, of course. When, when this happened with the church, after kind of the dust settled a little bit, I said to my wife, well, we can, we can take that trip we've always talked about now. And Aww. she said, okay. I'm like, really? Yeah. So that's what we did. Came back from that. And started looking for pastoral jobs, just kept on writing, knowing I really love writing. I'm discouraged because, you know, no one's heard of Josh Kelly. So even though I got great reviews on Amazon and blah, 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 I, I didn't sell very many copies at all. And that's mm-hmm. always discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but realized I really like writing. Mm-hmm. And when I started to look for pastoral jobs, I realized um, I just wanted jobs, a job that paid better than what I was doing. And that's <laughs> like a horrible reason to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I leaned into becoming a bartender. And so I've been a bartender for about four years. Um, mm. It's a lot of fun. It's a great extroverted uh, activity for, for someone like me. Oh, um, yeah. You know, is it what I want to be doing 10 years from now? Not really. I, I, uh, bar- I write in the morning and I bartend at night. My wife is incredibly gracious and, and uh, you know, we live on on little. We live very tight, mm-hmm. live in a, uh, you know, rent a little house and, you know, we make do. But so that's the long answer to your question. I uh not currently it. a pastor. I'll preach occasionally, but uh, yeah. But you are a disciple maker, and Matt looks like he wants to say something I was, I was about bartending. Say, I feel like there's plenty of opportunity to pastor people while you're. Oh yeah. yeah. And how? And you have to be. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be super circumspect in how you do that. You know, um, there's just every once in a while there's a situation where it's like, hey, can I pray for you? Oh. And a lot of times, you know, it, it, sometimes it's heartbreaking. You know, like I'm, I'm watching. I remember one time watching a gal who'd been, you know, giving up cigarettes like for two weeks. I watched her talk herself into smoking again to buying mm-hmm. a pack of cigarettes from me because this one bar I worked at sold cigarettes. And, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. And, and I, I more recently had two gals come in and say, hey, I'm, I'm buying her a drink because it's divorce day and we're celebrating because she just got her divorce is final. Mm. Like, 
Oh. So you really oh. hit where the rubber meets the road. You really, this whole oh, where gospel meets real life, you understand yeah. and you're seeing that. And it's such an opportunity to plant seeds of disciple making. So Josh, I feel like in answer to that question, you're answering mm-hmm. perhaps our question of the week from last week, which was what's one of the, the craziest leaps of faith you've done? And maybe you've mentioned one of them there. So we'll just start with you. What's one of those craziest leaps of yeah. faith? You know, I would think because when you talk about that, you're talking about, for, you know, from the inside or the outside. In other words, what feels crazy to me versus what feels crazy to other people. It's more um, you know, to you, I would guess. Yeah, because mm-hmm. for, for, for the stuff that's felt crazy to me are a lot of things that, you know, looking back, I'm not even so sure that that's what God was telling me to do. Like, OK, I need to go talk to that one person. Maybe that was him. Maybe that wasn't. There's another time where, you know, um. I uh, really thought God was calling, you know, directing me to le- bring this one guy into leadership in my church, which tr- ended up being one of the best. I'm sorry, one of the worst decisions I ever made. So I'm guessing I heard him wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so what I, I find is that the stuff seems crazy to others, but a lot of times in my daily walk, mm. the 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 path I'm on now, you know, um, driving around the country, being a bartender, writing a novel. Other people are like, this is crazy. I can remember mm-hmm. one time when someone, uh, someone from my uh, church I used to pastor, where I was an assistant pastor, saw me working in this one bar. The first thing she did was she looked at my my ring finger. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is everything okay here? No, I'm fine. We're still married. Everything's good. So it's crazy to other people. But here, I see God leading. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lot of joy that comes with it, even with the hardships. Yes. And so... Um, God sometimes calls us to do crazy things, but a lot of times he directs us in in, uh, different ways that are not quite so crazy. I love that. And I I think this is going to feed nicely into our conversation around your book. And and I'm sure speaks to a lot of people where we can all kind of feel that aimless Mm -hmm. wandering, even if we're in a quote unquote regular nine to five, but just looking (laughs) for purpose and looking for belonging and, and do I matter So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I just love, like, I don't hear you like shifting into shame when you talk about (laughs) the way you perceive your life. And that to me, I don't, I don't know, again, I think will lead us nicely into the conversation about this radically normal life. Um, Mm, But just like that, like, no, this is where God has me and I'm going to use these moments I have. Matt, for you, what's the craziest leap of faith you've done and what from our listeners uh, did you appreciate in in their response to the leap of faith, which I posted with the whole Indiana Jones video? (laughs) Did you guys notice that? No. From Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade when he steps on the like leap of faith. There it is. Yeah, there it is. I know. I just had to do it. So. Yeah, I, well, and I'm actually going to read the the listener response first because it actually made me change my my thoughts. What? And so thank you Meg for for pointing me in the right direction, I feel like because mm-hmm. it, it kind of would go the same way hers has gone, which is I was going to say something about moving across the country after having lived in the same state my whole life or starting a business with no business experience, but those aren't the biggest leaps of faith I ever took. The biggest leap of faith I ever took was confessing a sin struggle I had never confessed mm. to anyone. Mm. And then oh, she goes yeah. into saying, with the business, with moving, I was still in control, but confession was the ultimate act of giving up control, becoming utterly subject to whatever gravity would do with me after that single moment. And I understand that feeling from when I um, came clean to you all those years ago. Mm. And, and that I, when I look at the most terrifying experiences of my life, 
leading up into that was probably the thing I've wrestled with God most about of like, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, Mm. but it took a leap of faith that God was going to do what he said he would do. Yeah. And so thank you, Meg. I was definitely appreciative of your words and it made me rethink my own. Yeah. Those are both, both of those are awesome answers. I mean, because so often we tend to go someplace really spiritual, Mm. but it's, it's, this is like, that's where real fear is. It's harder to hit that stuff than it is to sometimes go move across the country. That's, wow, those are powerful. Absolutely. Because you have to stay. Sometimes there's more Mm -hmm. courage in staying and staring someone in the eyes and saying the truth than running. Steve? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't read Meg's, Mm -hmm. but. I'm with you, Matt. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, For me, it was confessing my sin, my Mm. pornography struggle, and actually with not my wife, but who was my boss at the time Mm. in a Christian ministry. And then it was part of the process of asking him to be in an accountability relationship. Mm. And I mean, it was clear the Lord was leading. This is the guy. But I was like, what? I mean, really, it needs to be somebody who doesn't have the power to like fire me right now. Yeah. It needs yeah. to be some, you know, just some dude I'm yeah. in a small group with at church or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, some random. Um, Why can't but, there be an amazing Christian bartender out there? Yes. Yeah, where is he? <laughs> at the time, I don't know that I would have been spiritually mature enough to handle that. But uh, um, but no, it was it was clearly this is the guy, and mm-hmm. um, I I just kind of said, can we leave our work relationship at the door right now? And wow talk as mm-hmm. as brothers and mm-hmm. um and it was incredibly hugely blessed god really really used that in my recovery i guess yeah so yeah. that was what that was what i had that's great um and uh one of our listeners uh it's kind of long okay but i'm gonna it was it's so good yeah she said for, for me it was offering forgiveness i had been wronged deeply in an almost physically painful emotional way and many would say i could have permission and a million million reasons to hold a lifelong grudge and sever relationships and yet in my pause for decision now alicia says don't laugh but picture cory ten boom and the arm heat I'm sure there's a story there. So, okay. The full disclosure, Alicia, which she'd be fine, is my sister. She's yes. the third oldest. I used to do speaking competitions. Shocker, I know. Can you picture mm-hmm. me going around and speaking in a competitive way? And I did one on forgiveness. And I used to like make it like this really powerful moment where Corey, like I say yes. her story, forgives the Nazi who like killed her sister or something. Right. And she like, ex- he's like, Floraline. <laughs> he holds out his hand. And I do this whole thing with like tears in my eyes. And I was like, will you forgive me? And then I like, oh my word, am I going to seriously remember this from freshman year in high school? <laughs> She's like... I don't, she like slowly, I just did the grasp where Corey grabs the hand yes. like of him and just, yes, of course I will. And then I look at the audience and I'm like, will you, will I do the same? And then I'm, and done. <laughs> I did like, I think I got like second in the state with that same yeah. thing. So now anytime anyone talks about forgiveness in my family, they do a little wink, wink, Corey, nice. 10 boom lore, but it's true. So <laughs> yeah. back to mm-hmm. the, the true sappy. Right, truth. right. So Alicia goes on. She says, I had a clear vision of Jesus pouring his blood into my hands so much that it fell through the cracks of my fingers and uh, spilled to the floor and kept coming. And now I had a choice. Would I let all this precious grace blood fall to the ground and clench my fists in bitterness? Mm. Or could I heap it onto the head of the one my wounded heart blamed? 
Mm. And then she said, I did. I turned and splashed that forgiveness on my offender. I forgive you. I still love you is what she said. And then those stammered mm. words, it first felt like a lie, but then my heart rushed in and felt it. I, wow. I just love that. Mm. You know, like sometimes so you do, you make Say that it. Step, you, step of yes. faith, yes. you know, and you feel like Indeed. I am going to fall off this cliff, yeah. but no, then mm. Jesus yeah. meets you. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. such a hard time picking one of the listeners just because they all I'm like, yes, oh yeah, when I confessed. Oh yeah, when this um mm. I I appreciated a lot of the ones my friend Lori said when they she moved to California with six boxes, two kids and $250 in our pocket. Uh it just reminded me of when we moved back from California to Michigan with probably about the same <laughs> amount of money, maybe some more boxes and just to start this ministry, this whole thing. And um, just people speaking to us, like, you're going to fail. What are you doing? Like, this isn't, how are you going to make any money? How are you going to do anything? And I'm like, uh, Jesus. <laughs> so uh, I really feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And um, yeah. which is, you know, I think this will be more of our conversation is that rub between like those extreme acts of faith that are actually like mm-hmm. literally moving across the country and, Right. Starting living with my parents, and then they sold the house, and I was seven months pregnant. And we had seven dollars. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was exciting. <laughs> I literally think I screamed at God. Did you move us back to Egypt to die? <laughs> exactly <laughs> quoting the Israelites in right. their terrible faith. So anyway, wasn't all sunshine, uh, but here we are. You know, still trying our best to trust. So yeah. let's shift to Goofball Island because I got a secret game. Time for Goofball Island. Okay, and our lovely vehicle is a band tour bus. And the game we are playing is called Christian or Secular. Now, for those of you who are new to the podcast or Christianese, uh, the word secular means, you know, not Christian. And so growing up in my family... Not Matt's family, which Matt's family was more secular, we were quote secular. unquote, because mm-hmm. he listened to music with drums and guys with long hair. This was very bad. Yeah, I watched Nickelodeon. So. And watched Nickelodeon. <laughs> he had TV and cable center. Um, I remember listening to Our God is an Awesome God. You know, you could yeah. play a little ditty. Rich Mullins. Yeah. With the, like the, the electric guitar. And I remember feeling so guilty, yet like thrilled. Because I'm like, this is a bad song. <laughs> so. Wow. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I can't believe I've actually been outdone. That, that's impressive, Lori. <laughs> Did you grow up in similarly non-secular scenarios? We only listened to Christian music and that, that was a thing. So, you know, Steve Taylor, Daniel Amos, I was you know, a little bit of Petra, Whiteheart, those guys, were the, that's the stuff I grew up with. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until I like to say, I saw uh, years ago, it was with uh, Youth with a Mission with YWAM mm. and I did their discipleship training school and I like to joke that I came back from my DTS and burned all my Christian music. <laughs> Uh, because I, I was at a base that was much more, you know, artistic and looking for excellence and finding out what the messages and things were. And so that's why I started listening to uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all those guys. There um, you go. But, but anyways, that's... But, and Rich Bones was never too much for me. That, that That's uh, <laughs> uh, hats, hats off to you, I guess. in his wrist. That's, yes. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, okay. So we're going to start with, uh, we're going to go around in the circle Josh, even though you're not here specifically, I'm mm-hmm. going to start with you. I'm going to say some lyrics of a song, and you tell me, is this Christian or secular? Okay. Uh-huh, okay. Okay, ready? Bonus point if you know who it is. Nice. Into the wind, 
I throw the night. Silver and gold turn into light. I'm on the road. I know the way. Everything flows. Here comes another new day. Matt's dying because hmm. he knows who this is. You know, I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. And so, so um, but it just sounds vague enough. I'm going to guess secular. You're right. It is secular. It's Enya. Okay. <laughs> Echoes oh. in the rain. <laughs> I posted this. Okay. So we've recently suffered. This, why am I laughing? This is terrible. Okay. Matt's mom recently passed away. It's terrible. We've been grieving. But there's, you know, in the grieving process, you're just like all of a sudden start laughing because mm-hmm. you're just psychotic mm-hmm. in your head. Okay. And emotions. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, we're trying to get our daughters to go to sleep. And so we're like, let's play some Enya because she's very soothing yeah. and just oh, yeah. says random words. Like you said, these ambiguous randomness. So we start playing this one and I hear this and instead of everything flows, I hear everything blows. <laughs> And I go, Enya has never spoken a truer word. And Matt's like, yeah, right? Ha ha. And everything blows. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it says that. He goes, no, it's not everything blows. <laughs> I thought she was just being like, everything blows in the wind. And I was like, right. yeah, everything <laughs> she's, blows. She's basically speaking straight out of Ecclesiastes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so then he laughed at me real hard. And I, whatever, I'm oh, telling you on the podcast. Because here we go. amazing. Okay. One point for you. Good job. <laughs> All right, Steve. Okay. In my time, I've traveled some roads, a rolling stone. Nowhere feels like home. And I've seen people come, then they go. Life is just a story of some highs and some lows. <sighs> Boy, rolling stone. I feel like rolling stone is a reference meant to throw me. I'm going to say that's Christian. Yes, you're right. It's Tori Kelly and Kirk Franklin. Oh, Never Alone. That's yeah, like a recent song, Mr. Radio. I should know that. I should know that because I think we're about to add it to rotation. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> I literally Everything blows. That, I Go literally ahead. thought that was Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matt, ready? Yeah. All of your flaws and all of my flaws, they lie there hand in hand. Ones we've inherited, ones that we learn, they pass from man to man. Um, well, all truth is God's truth. And, and so mm-hmm. it, it sounds very Christian, but I, it's secular. And it's, uh, who is it? There's a hole in my yeah, soul. Is it, it's not a VC. Uh, they sang Pompeii. Bastille. Um, Bastille. Flaws. There we go. Yeah. Mm. All right, know. Matt. Everybody's got a point. Everybody's got a point. We're circling around. We're going to do right. one more round of this. All right, Josh. Okay. Lost in an image, in a dream. But there's no one there to wake her up, and the world is spinning, and she keeps on winning. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I really don't have a... I'm just going to go secular just as a guess. I really don't know. It is secular. It's Britney Spears. Lucky. Oh, ah. she's so well, lucky. That'd be why she's I wouldn't a star. Know. Right. <laughs> It'd be great if you only gave him Enya songs. <laughs> <laughs> Enya again. <laughs> Everything blows. Okay, Steve. Yes. <laughs> Take a minute. Let it settle in. You probably never saw it coming. Something's got to give, so I give up on you. Uh, I'm going secular. Good try, Steve. Christian, that's ah. Francesca Battistelli. A, oh. a, the breakup song. Oh, okay. About fear, that's breaking up with fear. That everybody yes. has, is requesting, and oh. we refuse to add that song. Really? Why? It's just... <laughs> It's secular. Too cheesy. It's too, too secular. It seems secular. So <laughs> sorry. Breaking up with fear. No, that's not it sinner. at all. Okay. It's yeah. a great message. Yes. But musically, it's a little. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can say that. We here. love Franny. Franny is that you call her? Oh yeah. Not Fran Chan though. Not to no. be confused with. Right. Right. Okay. All right, Matt. All right. 
Oh, I was waiting for you to go. <laughs> answer, yeah, I don't know. answer before Sing. you hear the lyrics. Come on. <laughs> Read my mind. How married are we? Are we not one yet? Okay. <laughs> Freddie, sorry. <sighs> Where's the bartender? Okay. <laughs> I saw the, <laughs> I saw the light. I've been baptized by the fire in your touch and the flame in your eyes. I'm born to love again. I'm a brand new man. That's got to be secular. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> baptized by your touch sounds overtly not Christian. Right. Well, <laughs> Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm about to get struck by something. It's, it's probably like a crazy rock song with terrible messages. <laughs> secular. Drums brand new- all over the place. <laughs> Lots of drums. Extra lightning and wrists. Secular, brand new man, Brooks and Dunn. This is so our friend Foy, who's friends yeah. of the podcast. He yeah. actually sent me that song and he's like, this would be good for Goofball Island. I'm like, yes. So good job. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Josh and Matt tied. And yeah. the radio person and who the ra- plays music for a living. <laughs> I literally play songs you should loser. know. <laughs> also, I smug right now. can I just say, I mean, like lyrics without music, it's hard. It is. Yes. And every single one of those. Yes. Really could be a Nickelback song. <laughs> Everything you could just go off of the lyrics. In yeah. fact, you could line them all up, and you got the entire song. <laughs> we got a new song. It's all Nickelback. I hope they the listen because now they're going to yeah. know what to do next. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks and Dunn covers. Yeah, Brooks and that's country, right? I don't yeah, know I would have country. no idea right. about okay. that one. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Okay, thank you for the idea. Send us more Goofball Island games. Although I have another good one waiting for the next person. Okay, heart of the matter. Here we go. Okay, the reason we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And the gospel is, I'm more sinful than I believe and more loved than I can imagine. So Josh, you shared a little bit like of your right mm-hmm. now gospel story, but when mm-hmm. was the gospel first good news when you didn't listen to secular music? So go there. You know, I, I've been thinking about that question a lot because you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know how long ago it was because I kind of, you know, listened to them out of order. Matt, you said something along the lines of, you know, even if you grew up Christian, you have that moment when you realized you know, your need for grace. And mm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I just I, you know, I, I was I was very fortunate to grow up in a very loving home, never doubted my parents love for me and f- therefore never doubted God's love for me. Hmm. And it's just, a, you know, almost to the point of narcissism, like like I, I read some stuff, almost like latent narcissism in terms of just this confidence that, yeah, God loves me. And hmm. so, but the, as I think about it, I think about a story uh, or a time when I was actually on my DTS and we're out playing capture the flag. And, uh, you know, this guy, you know, like you, you're facing, I'm facing off with this other guy, this Scottish dude. Wait, wait, and, DTS, uh, I'll just say again, is YWAM. Which why youth with the mission? Youth with the mission. Principle, yeah. It's usually it's kind of like people either before college or in college. It's twenty somethings right, yeah. are like I need to go and serve Christ, and it's like a good seems yep. like a good reset for people and like a launching space. So just to clarify, yeah, DTS it, is the yeah, training yeah, no, portion. Yeah, yeah. So you have a bunch of a bunch of people who really love Jesus. They're going to spend three months in the classrooms learning about Jesus, and then another two months out in the mission field. And so you know we're all really good Christians, all really holy. And so this is this is the group. These are all people who are early enough in it. We're still kind getting to know each other and so i'm facing off with this guy against uh, across the line and the thing is if i were on the other side of the line he were to tag me then i'm out mm. so we're kind of yeah, we're a little smack talk going back and forth and he, then he says hey josh that's a cool shirt can i can i feel it so i hang, hold my arm out and instead of feeling the fabric he pulls me over the line and says you're out oh well mm. i hate being tricked I, who doesn't right but it just <laughs> it just got it's me it's a sad surprise and so 
Yeah, I just like stunned and all. And so then what I did is I, I kicked him in the balls, to put it quite <laughs> bluntly. Um, oh, wait, this uh, was in which, the book. <laughs> you didn't say all the that? details. This was in the book, I think, a part of it. It, it was in the book. I didn't quite say it that crudely. No. But yeah, so yeah. What, and so I, I kicked the guy and I feel I run to my dorm room and I feel crummy all night long. Aww. But not because I kicked a guy where I shouldn't have kicked him mm. and really hurt him. But because everyone, all the other Christians around me saw me lose my temper. Yeah, shame. And this, that shame. And so there's been this process of, and there's not no like punctiliar moment where it changed. But God's been through this long process where I can now screw up mm. and not worried about how the other Christians look at me. Because mm-hmm. back in that day, my thing was keeping this image about being a really good Christian. Mm-hmm. I was convinced I was a better Christian than most people. And I was mm-hmm. going to this thing to be with a bunch of other better Christians, but, but I just showed that I'm not a better Christian. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the, this, this, in terms of God's grace, is that this realization is two-part. is this realization that, um, that I don't have to live up to an image that, that um, I'm fully loved where I am. And the image is uh, then also really realizing that the image is broken. It's that, that, that whole ideal is non-existent. Mm. And, you know, if I were to talk about um, what is kind of like the, the core, the core theology or the core concept of my book, it comes down to this and leading to, to kind of more answer the question. You know, I grew up in a, in a, a good Christian home, as I said, and I went to youth group and all this. And you go to youth group and you have all your, your youth pastor talking about, you know, uh, smoking and drinking and, you know, making out with your girlfriend, Lord, Lord forbid, having sex outside marriage and all these things. It's like this cliff mm-hmm. uh, that you really need to avoid. And uh, that's why you don't listen to secular music, because it may not be over the cliff, but it sure gets you awfully close to that edge. And you mm-hmm. just, you know, only hold hands because anything close to that, you don't want to fall off that edge. And so I moved further and further away from that edge because I did not want to fall off the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that no one told me, because I don't think they knew, is that on the other side of the path, there's another cliff. Yeah. And that cliff is called self-righteousness. That cliff mm-hmm. is, is, is that spiritual smugness, that pride and all those things. Yeah. And that by pulling further away from the cliff of complacency, is kind of the term I use in the book, the, from the cliff of being a complacent Christian, I was falling off the cliff of self-righteousness, of being an obsessive Christian. Mm-hmm. And so to, to really put it in blunt terms, for me, even to this day, people like be like, well, isn't that hard to as a Christian to work in a bar? Well, I'll tell you, I have more... My biggest struggle when I have to prepare myself spiritually for something is not when I go into the bar. It's when I go to a Bible study. Hmm. It's, I face more temptation going to a Bible study than going to the bar. And this is why. I'm a smart kid. I, was, you know, I, I made my, my identity was being the smartest one in the room and knowing more about the Bible. And every time I walk into a Bible study or walk into a church, the temptation to prove myself, to prove my biblical knowledge, my spiritual astuteness is overwhelming. Yeah. And basically to be, a, you know, a spiritual jackass, you know, yeah. that's the thing yeah. I, I fight against. And so um, and so that's so much of what this book is doing. I'm not I, I don't want to call people to complacency. I don't want but I also want them to avoid being obsessive. And the reason why I felt like I wrote this book is because there's so many books warning against being a complacent Christian. And that's important. I really, really agree with that. Mm-hmm. But there's just not that many that talk about avoiding uh, the obsessive faith. Mm-hmm. And if. I can make like a really obnoxious statement. <laughs> if I had a choice between a Christian being a, a complacent Christian or being an obsessive Christian, I'd prefer for them to be complacent. Mm-hmm. As I, I even cringe saying that, but y- you look at the story of um, of the uh, the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So when the prodigal son's sitting there in the pig pen, 
um, you know, wishing he could eat the slop. He didn't have any um, illusions about being a, having his life together. Hmm. He knew he was a mess. Hmm. So I've worked with the Friendship House. It's a local uh, homeless shelter here. The people I worked with there, the people who are strung out on drugs, the people who are drunks, they don't think they have their act together. Hmm. They know they're screwed up. Yeah. They know they need something. Hmm. But you go to the Christian, if you live by Christian Bibli- uh, principles, if you're following Proverbs and you're doing this stuff, your life is together. Yeah. And you can be so far away from God without even realizing it. And and you look at the story again of the prodigal son. There's The story of the prodigal son is not about the prodigal son. Jesus was telling it to the Pharisees. He was telling it to them because they were the older brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Whenever, yep. You know, when you tell stories, the, the, the closing line of a, of a story is the most important part, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you remember, the end of the story of the prodigal son is the father saying to the prodigal son, come in and join this party. Yeah. And it ends there. We don't know how the story ends. Right. And that way, Jesus was saying to all the Pharisees, you guys are the older brothers. Look at all the people that are coming into the kingdom of God. You should be rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come in or not? Right. It's just like it's Jesus in Matthew 5. It's the blessed are those who realize their need for him. It's mm-hmm. Jesus all over. Like it's not the, the healthy you need a doctor. It's the sick. It's Jesus. Where did right. he spend all his time? It's with those who who knew their need. And so it's almost not even like complacent. It's so hard because words are so tricky. It's Mm. because I see people who are complacent and numbed out. So there's, Mm -hmm. and I can be that. I don't even like, I'm looking like, Oh, start with me, Lord. But like we can Mm -hmm. look around and see people who are just uh, numbing out on the world. And and that's hard to wake Mm -hmm. them up, but they may know maybe more intrinsically, all they need is the motivation to stand up and start moving Whereas the mm-hmm. quote unquote obsessive Chris, Christian is already moving. So they're like, I don't need no change. I'm good. Like, yeah. don't talk to yep. me. It's him. It's the that guy over there. Mm. Yeah. So and how often have we said that, you know, to the, you know, looking at other people, it's like, well, at least I've got my act together. Absolutely. Our mentor who's been on here, David Bielan, he's the chairman of the board of HIMH. He, he'll say, because he grew up really knowing he was loved. And he said, he'll say mm-hmm. the same thing. And he goes, that whole gospel phrase that we borrow from uh, Tim Keller, that I'm more sinful than I believe and more loved than I can imagine. He'll, he'll ask, mm-hmm. which do you need to hear more? And as you were mm-hmm. talking, Josh, it sounds like you're like, I needed to know I was a sinner, like in yeah. my quote unquote, obsessive, pharisaical, self-righteous state. So you almost need to hear that. Yeah. For me, I'm like, I need to know I'm loved like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it sounds like... Uh, you really needed to, to weigh, have more weight there. I did want to ask the yeah. room, since you so beautifully described this difference, and thank you for sharing that piece of your story, but just this difference between the obsessive and complacent Christianity. Do you guys, well, do you resonate with that, Matt and Steve? And then do you guys too, like, do you ever look at the quote unquote obsessive Christians, or I think of like the super apostles or the... <laughs> The super Instagrammers who like know how to say all the right things. And like, do you, you guys ever feel that envy or jealousy or like, I don't know. How do you feel about them? Well, I've never thought in terms of obsession like yeah. an obsessiveness there. Yeah. I've, I, I do sometimes 
look at you know the superstar christians mm-hmm. and think oh that's what i have to be that's what i need to be mm-hmm. and then what you know? then what happens there when you feel that and are you then like then i get oh. overwhelmed and i kind of shut down mm-hmm. then you shut down i mean i think mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes i'm like okay you yeah. know and yeah. i get Exhorted. myself a little yeah and but it's it it seems to be short lived it doesn't mm. last and yeah. so i think I don't know. Like this is just freeing for me. Mm. Kind of similar to I remember reading Hudson Taylor's biography, yeah, The Spiritual Secret, and after years of serving in China and really kind of giving up a lot, but still feeling like oh, there's there's more I need to whatever. He found that rest is what Christ was calling him to Mm. abide in me, Mm. rest. You know, and he found great freedom in that. Mm. So, and I still haven't really, you know, like. I still struggle yeah. with with coming back to that, mm-hmm. but this is reminding me of that. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, yeah. Matt? Well, I mean, as you're as you're talking, it it really makes me think of kind of, the, and we've talked about the 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 three identities is is what I like to call it the the performance based identity, the um, the grace filled identity, and then the love identity. And and when I think of mm-hmm. a complacent and an obsessive Christian. I would say both of those people are in one of the, they're not in a love identity. They're in the, the, right. the complacent is full of grace usually. So you're like, I can do whatever I and want. You can do whatever you yeah. want. Right. But yeah. the performance identity where it's like, I am getting my identity met and I am maintaining it under my own power. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. I often see people that, that have to go from the, the obsessive, identity the performance identity and all, almost go through this grace identity yeah in order to get to the love identity because the obsessive yeah. there's the outsides look great but the insides are usually the exact same as those people that are that are living out this grace identity of complacency mm. yeah. and and it's until yeah. those insides can start kind of coming out and being opened up and being looked at and real yeah and being real it's like people people will continue to just put up walls mm-hmm. you know and so mm-hmm. as, as jesus says to the pharisees it's like you're whitewashed tombs like you're dead on the yeah. inside even though you look great on the outside right but you're not alive because they weren't being wrapped in love from the inside out and you can even right. look like a pharisee but be in love yeah and mm-hmm. like do the same sort of quote-unquote pharisaical things but your heart is so changed mm-hmm. so What's then, Josh, what's the, what's the answer? What's the key to the Christian life, Josh? Tell us. Um, no, but like, yeah. what, if it's not this obsessive, if it's not this, you know, complacent, if it's not the, neither the grace, which grace is a good word, but just the whatever, I can do whatever I want. Nor is right. it the, you know, the perfectionist, what do you call it? The performance. Performance, so performance, grace, yeah. then love. So if it's neither of those, then what is it? It is now using the term biblically grace. And and this is what I mean by that. I give this illustration that, you know, imagine that you're walking on this really narrow, narrow path, like, you know, like inches narrow along this high ridge and it's a deadly cliff off either side and there's winds blowing you this way and that. Mm. And you're just trying, you can't even look up to enjoy the view because it's so dangerous. And now try to imagine to stay on the path in that in that situation. And if you think you can, then I'm, I'm not painting the situation bleak enough because you can't. <laughs> the only thing is that there's this, this rope, this guide that you get to hang on to called grace. <laughs> and that there's going to be times you're going to fall off 
on one side, you're going to go into complacent, the complacent sins. You're going to be, well, you know, whether it's drunkenness or, or sexual addiction or pornography or greediness or, you know, not trusting God, whatever it is, you're going to fall on that side. There's going to be other times you fall off on the other side and you become very self-righteous. You're going to be smug and you're going to start feel, feeling good about how well you're keeping up with things and what a good Christian you are. Hmm. You're going to fall, keep on following off either, either cliff all the time, but it's God, God's grace that keeps pulling us up. And so I think part of it is, is recalibrating our expectations to not to accept, okay, I'm going to fall off the cliffs, but God still loves me in the midst of that. Yeah. And the reason we stay on the path and why we avoid both complacency and legalism is not to earn God's favor and not to look good to other people, but because God gives us joy in that path because that mm-hmm. is the best way to live. Mm-hmm. And so after I, I mean, I'm setting up this idea of the, these two cliffs, but from there, my like my, the 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 soul, the gut, the 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 spirit of my book is joy, mm-hmm. is that joy as the proper motivation for the Christian life, mm-hmm. and, and I talk about how like one of the things I did because you know I'm a bit of a student, I like to study. I uh, found all the places in the Bible that talk about joy or happiness, looked for all the synonyms, you know, going back to the Greek, going back to the Hebrew, find all the synonyms mm-hmm. for joy and happiness and all these words and pleasure and all that stuff. And I found all the verses and I combed out all the ones that really didn't apply to, you know, what I was talking about and printed them out. Mm-hmm. To save paper, I, I made it 10-point font Yeah. and with one-inch margins, and it still took 48 pieces of paper wow. to print all the verses about joy. The mm. Bible talks about joy like something like 750 times. Wow. That's more than it talks about grace. Mm. That's more than it talks about love. And so, this, and this is, I, I'm such in such debt to C.S. Lewis. I mean, big surprise. I mean, how many of us aren't? I know. But Lewis was like, uh, uh, we think of him as an apologist. I think of him as the uh, the apostle of joy. Mm. And that's really what he did. His and surprise so that's kind by of, joy book. Sorry, Sur- surprise by joy. Surprise by joy. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's uh, he has a, a nuanced meaning to joy in that. That's kind of like joy, but it's a little bit different. It's God leading us by desire, or that it's uh, when he talks about joy in that book. It's almost like uh, you know, you talk about we talk about having a hole in our heart, mm. um, both in terms of and we you know that we have this God shaped hole in us, but we also have this eternity shaped hole. I'm, yes. I'm off topic a little bit, but I'll come yeah. back. I promise. Um, <laughs> We have an eternity-shaped hole in us as well that nothing in this life will fulfill. Yes, that's the Ecclesiastes screams about I that. Know. If you don't, if you don't understand this heaven-shaped hole, this eternity, eternity-shaped hole, Ecclesiastes won't make sense to you. Mm. But what what uh, Lewis meant when he said "surprised by joy" in that book, he's talking about the glimpses of that, the filling of that hole. Mm. But then throughout his book, he was he was a um, Piper coined the term, but uh, uh, a Christian hedonist. He delighted in God's good gifts, and that's what shaped so much of my thinking. And um, so, what I try to you know, I'm trying to do is to call people to joyful living. And uh, if you don't mind, I, I like to read. It's it's like my favorite story in the whole book because it's the most embarrassing. Oh, I'm yeah. not going to try to read from my book except for this one because I just like the way okay. I wrote it. We're going to um, have a reading now. No, but I like we're it. We're going to have a reading. Yes, yes. I, I, I think you will. Uh, this is, it's short. Don't worry about that. Um, when I was young, but old enough to know better, I hated to stop playing when I had to go to the bathroom. So I just <laughs> pee my pants. <laughs> Cold days were the worst. I vividly remember that feeling of having to pee so bad, but not wanting to go inside. There were a few glorious moments when I enjoyed the relief and the newly acquired warmth. But the relief was short-lived. Soon the warm turned to cold, and then came the chafing of my skin against the cold, wet denim, followed by that distinctive smell. 
<laughs> I continued doing that until the third grade, my only year in public school. The shame of peeing my pants on a field trip motivated me to finally start using the bathroom. Sin is the moral equivalent of peeing our pants. Mm -hmm. It begins as a short-sighted solution to a genuine problem or else a short-lived pleasure at the expense of long-term happiness. Mm -hmm. I basically see God's rules like him telling us to use the bathroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And if there's anything I can say to your listeners here, because there's so often it doesn't feel like obedience brings joy. Mm-hmm. It feels like if we obey, we're going to be miserable. And that's so often the way that so many people portray it is we, we obey God uh, in spite of, you know, even though it's going to make us miserable. And that shows that we love God because we're miserable. But God's commands are for our joy. And I think, Lori, one of the reasons why I was so drawn to you and your ministry is, is reading about your story as, as a woman who experienced same-sex attraction yet obeys. Because yeah. I bet there, you know, there's so many people who are like, well, I'm just going to do with what what's going to, I think is going to bring me joy. But as, as I read it, your, your, your take is, well, this is obedience yes. and I'm going to do what's, what's right. And mm-hmm. it's not the easy path to joy, no. but it's a much surer path. I mean, am I, am I absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, and I just think about just using your pee in the pants analogy. Like it's hard to go. Like I picture our daughters, if they yeah. did that, like from the swing set to walk up the stairs and open the slider and your legs are mm-hmm. hurting. And then you have to go and change, go to the bathroom. Like, but you spare any of the embarrassment mm-hmm. and in any of that. Mm-hmm. And if it's disobedience or whatever you want to say, like, mm-hmm. okay, I was supposed to do that, but then it's harder and your but your legs got stronger as you walked up the stairs and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. wow, I actually have more joy because I didn't have to actually take 20 minutes to change my whole clothes. I just had to take five <laughs> and I right. actually thought of good new ideas while I was up there to play. And so <laughs> I for sure can relate to that. And um, th- yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. I want to kind of circle back a second just because there's something in me that's like, oh, because it, even something that you were saying, Steve, like listening to speakers who really are like, ah, oh, do this sold out thing for Jesus. So like when I talk here, Francis Chan, or I hear the Tim Kellers or Ann Voskamp's, and then I do like this podcast was a leap of faith. And just Mm -hmm. like, I just heard a word and I was like, I think we need to do a podcast and emailing all these people and being like, Hey, you want to be on here is a leap of faith. And yet it's also, it is that little step. It's never Mm -hmm. even speaking for like Wheaton college or speaking at all these different places. It isn't as magical quote unquote, as you might think it's Mm -hmm. scary, but it's also, Mm -hmm. Oh, I still have to, you know, get ready for the day and do my hair and then walk up these steps and sit here. And then also at the end of the day, everyone is a person, no matter who you Mm -hmm. talk to, Mm -hmm. they're just, Oh, it's the chaplain of Wheaton or it's Ann Voskamp or it's, it's, Oh, you're, you're a person and we're all just baby stepping toward Christ. So even these quote unquote big steps, like I still have to wake up in the morning and, every email, like answer email. I don't know. So it's, I'm just wrestling with that. Cause I'm like, it is big and yet it's very small. Yeah. And, and you know, something, even with some of the craziest stuff God's called me to do, there was joy in d- doing it. Yes. It, it, it wasn't ever that. Okay. There, there are times where we have to, God has to make us miserable to bring us joy. Just like there's times we have to spank our daughters or, yeah. you know, I have two daughters as well. So I mean, that's, I think that's another yeah, connection point, you know, to my daughters are 13 and 15 now, but Aww. you know, they're, they're the, the light of my life. Yeah. But 
you know, when I have to discipline them or when they get hurt and I have to pull the splinter out mm. that to say that joy is our motivation for life doesn't mean life's always going to be easy. But the end game is joy. Yes. And when I look at the crazy path goes, God's going on, taking us on, it's like there's there's stuff that's been crazy. Mm. Like, I can't believe we're doing this, but yet I'm being led by joy, by the yes. knowledge. And this is I guess this is a key thing to me. And I say this to myself. I say it to my daughters. I believe that at some point we will be happy that we did the right thing. Mm. At some point, we will have joy for having followed God. Yeah. Um, and that that we keep that as this 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 goal ahead of us. That our joy in God is the thing, thing that really that's a much better thing to to pursue than uh, because I want to look like a good Christian or because um, that's what uh, Billy Graham did or because that's what what Tim Keller does. Yeah. But you know. Yes, that's so good. Yes. And and I mean, ultimately, like you you talk about, you know, you mentioned Ecclesiastes and that eternal whole, you know, mm-hmm. that we have that, that joy, the, that eternal joy that we're going to experience in heaven. I mean, honestly, that's the only thing that can get me through mm. some of those times when, when joy in this life and, and, you know, even comfort or, or pleasure mm-hmm. in this life is, is completely absent. Yeah. And, right. But but it's like you you can keep pressing on because of the joy that is set before us. You know, yeah. to right. to steal from Paul, like because of that yeah. eternal joy that we will have, it gives you resiliency in the midst mm-hmm. of trial and in the midst of suffering. And in the midst yeah. of those quote unquote big steps, which are actually little steps, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. step requires obedience. But in in that walk toward toward Christ is. So I said to multiple people today as our old nature is getting ripped off in the obedient mm-hmm. steps and just getting like burned off and mm-hmm. it's for the joy set before us, the cross. Yeah. So Josh, yeah. thank you for um, opening up a, a part of the gospel and a part of this really just making disciples of ourselves and of others that uh, maybe we just haven't really looked at. And thank you for your, your book and, and joining us in this conversation. Absolutely. I, thank you again. It's just, you know, I've been following you for a while and just so thrilled to be a part. And hopefully, you know, if I can get people to think about stuff just a little bit differently to yeah. just kind of jar their thoughts, you know, that, that's a great thing to think about Jesus a little bit differently, to think about uh, the Christian life, especially because so many people that I know as a pastor felt like because they weren't missionaries to China, they couldn't be really good Christians, that they were, mm. were always going to be a bit shy of the, the real mark. Mm. And that's so much of my heart is to call people that, you know, whether it's a bartender, be a barista or a pastor or whatever God's called you to, yeah. you can be a hundred percent completely devoted to God in that place. Yes. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's preventing you from being a wholehearted follower of Jesus is not your education level. It's not where you live. It's not your job. It is whether or not you choose to follow him. Amen. And rather you, don't, you just, again, we, we hold up these great examples and you're alluding to this earlier Lori, we pulled up these great examples. It's good to follow them, but keep in mind they had their own struggles. Yes. And just look at where Jesus has you. Follow him with your whole heart. Whole know that heart. you'll find joy following him with your whole heart. Mm. And don't worry about everyone else. Amen. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful note to end on. Thank you, Josh. And everyone, we would love to hear from you. Um, if you want to take part in this conversation, we'd love for you to answer the question of the week, which is, if you could do anything and knew you wouldn't fail, what would it be? And it may just be like, I want to live wholehearted. I'm just going to actually throw my whole heart in here. Or like, man, I actually do think that the next baby step toward a quote unquote big thing is to do this thing. So if you could do anything and knew you wouldn't fail, 
what would that be? So if you want to answer that, you can email us at podcast at himhministries.com or uh, I usually post it on my Facebook. Just friend me on Facebook or on Instagram, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you so much for sharing this podcast, for uh, writing reviews that helps us get in higher up on the scale so more people can find us. And I just want to throw in a plug to, did you know that Hole in My Heart Ministries, which Matt partners with us, even though he's got his own counseling practice, we do training for churches called Journey Well Workshops. And we help your church. If you're like, ah, we get the theology stuff. Thank you, Dr. Preston Sprinkle. We so understand this whole understand as best as we can this theology of marriage how do we actually walk this out so how do we you know with my friend that's sitting in front of me with tears streaming down their face and has gender dysphoria what do i do are we as a church like how do we navigate this journeying well with people we we take the gospel and make it practical which jesus really did that too and i just stole that little phrase but uh we just take it and make it practical and so we want to journey well alongside you we do a six-hour workshop but we can make it two or four and so just wanted to throw that out to you you can email me Lori at himhministries.com and we'll send you some information on those journey well workshops Uh, Thank you so much for listening, for just being a part of this podcast, fam. Thanks again to Josh and for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We will see you next week. Well, we're going to rock. I think I'm I'm good with the headphones. Okay. They're they're staying on. All right. They're full of syrup. syrup. That's the secret. (laughs) That's the Goofball Island. We're done. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> that was true. Just that was disappointingly face. short. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was disappointing. Oh, wow. All right. Oh, okay. Boy. We need to do pranks. This is filling me with ideas. <laughs> do pranks. The, uh, yes, let's pull some pranks. crazy pranks on. And on a million dollars. How much, how much is all this equipment worth? Lots. Thousands. Yeah, I don't know. Ten thousand? Twenty. At least tens. We're okay, for your theater of the mind, Josh, we're in a room mm-hmm. with like huge, like Death Star looking boards of a way better than what this podcast requires. Ten thousand? Gotcha. Twenty thousand. Thirty? Yeah, I don't know. No, oh, no guess. All right. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Steve's headphones are at least worth uh, yes. 10, Just 000. Steve's. I require <laughs> I require the Top of the line. Yeah, they have Finest. individual ear air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and the pancake syrup dispenser on the side. <laughs> you, just, you have like a straw, like instead of beer on the side, you're yes. syrup. <laughs> <laughs>